This is episode 33 with Marie-Josée Laure. She's a physiotherapist and expert in the field of pelvic floor physiotherapy. And she's been teaching it for over 25 years and treating patients as well. So today we will be talking all about your pelvic health. You have at least at least 50% of your friends that are going through the exact same thing as you. And people don't talk about it. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode. So happy you're here today. Okay, so you'll be learning some tips and how to heal and strengthen your body and also how not to be in your pants. So if you've given birth naturally, most likely you are aware of this. So pelvic floor and pelvic health therapy, uh, that region, uh, because your vagina area, anus, your core, everything tends to become more loose. So we go to see these specialists to strengthen and put everything back in place and feel good. But it's also a good episode if you haven't had kids, maybe you're pregnant, maybe you're planning on having kids or you're so stressed that it also affects your pelvic floor. So today we're going to be talking with a specialist. Okay, she knows everything about it and she's sharing some really good tips, things you can do at home, things you can buy to do some exercise. Another thing, if you've heard, women should do their Kegel exercises. We've seen this in, in Women Health magazine. Everyone's been saying, women, don't forget to do your Kegel exercises. Okay, but honestly, how many of us actually know how to do them properly. So we're going to be talking about that. So today I'm talking with Marie-Josée Laure. So she recently just opened a new clinic in the Montreal area for everything pelvic lower physiotherapy. And she is also the teacher of the physiotherapist. My own pelvic floor physiotherapist was taught by her and her colleague at the business she founded, Eurosante. And she gives talks. She's given talks in different countries. She's still teaching and helping patients as well. She's a graduate from McGill University in Quebec in a science of physical therapy. So she lectures nationally, internationally about the topic of the pelvic floor, has been participating in several research projects all related to this field. She's involved with the Canadian Physiotherapy Association and the Women's Health Division. So in 2009, she received a prestigious mentorship award for her contribution in the field of physiotherapy. 
So she just opened her, her new clinic to help patients one-on-one. And she also mentions at the end of this episode, you can get a free 20-minute call, a pelvic floor physiotherapy, if you're interested to learn more, to ask more questions directly related to yourself. So I'll put all the links as usual on the website. So check out www.citruslove.com slash episode 33, where you'll find all the links, all the information and also every product that she's recommending to reduce the tension in your pelvic floor I will put links so it's going to be all easy and you won't have to search if you don't want to make sure to subscribe to our newsletter citruslove.com you go directly to the website you can click and put your email and register to get the newsletter where I do put the specific tip that each guest mentions in the episode so you get them right there and at any additional resources I'll be sharing you'll get so just go to the website to subscribe to the newsletter I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you're listening with that let's get to it and listen to this conversation Welcome, Marie-Josée. Thank you for taking the time and your busy schedule to be on Citrus Love Podcast. I know you're opening a new clinic at Pelvic Health Center. You must be doing a lot of things right now. So I appreciate you taking the time to speak and share your knowledge today with our listeners. Oh, well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yes, it is busy, but I think it's worth it. Today, we're talking specifically about pelvic floor physiotherapy, especially for mothers that have given birth to little ones. There's a lot of changes happening and some discomfort even (laughs) happening down there. But I've learned that it's not strictly limited to new mothers can experience some discomfort even later on in life and for other reasons. So we'll be talking about this specific topic today today to help open up the conversation of who should be consulting, what is it, what's happening, and what is normal and what isn't. First things first, I want to start a bit about you so we know why you got into this field specifically, because I know you've been helping women with this for over 25 years. You've been the teacher to a lot of pelvic floor physiotherapists, even my own pelvic floor physiotherapist who was taught by you and your colleagues. So what put you on this path? Why this? Why this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's the question I get all the time because mm-hmm. I think it's such um, an unknown area of physiotherapy. And you can imagine 30 years ago, it was even mm-hmm. less known. Um, I went after I graduated physiotherapy, I thought I need to do something different. And I wanted to go into women's health. And I had heard that this type of treatment was being done in France. So I thought, oh, this would be really interesting, but how do I get to it? I started to do my osteopathy course because I wanted to do the gynecology part of it. I finished my five years of osteopathy, but in the meantime, I had the opportunity of taking a course from a person from Belgium that came to Quebec and was teaching the physiotherapy aspect of pelvic health. 
So I decided, okay, I'll take that and see where it leads me to. And then this is how it started. And then, of course, you know, it just snowballed into treating. At the time, we were only treating incontinence, urinary incontinence, so urine leakage when coughing and sneezing. But then with time, we started to realize that there were many more problems related to pelvic floor. And that's how it just continued to develop. So, So I guess it was an interest of mine at the very beginning. And I tried to find the ways to be able to develop that. So I never finished, I never did my DO, my diploma in osteopathy, because I went into the physiotherapy aspect of treating the pelvic floor. For anyone listening that's not really sure what this is, what's pelvic floor therapy? So it's um, it's evolved a lot over the years. And then now, so actually even the name is, is starting to change. We're realizing that it's not just the pelvic floor. It's not just the muscles. It's the whole abdominal cavity. So it's more like pelvic health because the pelvic health physio will look at the muscles, the muscles that are at the base of the 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 pelvic bone, so that go from the pubic bone to the coccyx and the sacrum. So those are the pelvic floor muscles, and we need to be able to contract them. We need to be able to relax them. They're active in a core stabilization. So when you do abdominal exercises, your pelvic floor muscles have to be adequate. And, and I say adequate because not necessarily extremely strong, but being able to contract at the right time, right timing, relax when you need it. So they need a lot of good timing, good re-education. Then what happens is the, the pelvic health physiotherapist will also be looking at the pressures that happen on the pelvic floor muscle. So when you cough, when you sneeze, why are you leaking? What is happening? And um, look maybe at the whole cavity with the diaphragm. Is the person not breathing properly? Is there like holding the breath when they're doing a certain activity? You know, all of that. So it's gone from just looking at the pelvic floor muscles to now looking, yes, the pelvic floor muscles, but also all of the abdominal cavity with the core muscles, like the the trunk stabilizers as well, and the diaphragm. What are the most common symptoms you treat women for? And maybe a few less common, but still present today. So let's start with the women that just gave birth. I would say that it's either they feel a bit of weakness or heaviness into the pelvic floor, into the, let's say, the vagina or the crotch area as a whole. They feel it heavy. So that might be the symptom. It could be that they're having urine leakage when they're picking up the baby, when they pick up the car seat, or when they cough, they sneeze. So it could be two things. It could be, yes, that the muscle is a little weaker from the delivery. Or it could be that the muscle has bad timing, is not contracting at the right time when there's an increase of abdominal pressure. So that would be, let's say, in postpartum. The other thing that we do see in postpartum is pain with intercourse, either from scar tissue, from an episiotomy, or from a tear, uh, or even pain with intercourse from a C-section scar because it pulls and then it will give pain with intercourse because the the fascia is being pulled from the abdomen. Mm. So it's just as important to mobilize a scar, an abdominal scar. It's important to mobilize a, a scar that's on the perineum as well. 
So we do see women with it, with pain with intercourse when they resume penetration after they're allowed to, to, to do after whatever, six weeks or eight weeks, whenever mm-hmm. they go see their doctor. So I think those are the things. And then we see them when they try to resume activity. So let's say they're not so bad, but they get to a certain time where they're resuming their sport, whatever it was, and then they might feel some heaviness in, in the vagina or they feel some leakage or they don't have a much control or let's say if they start to run again and then they're having some urine leakage so i would say mostly it's either incontinence incontinence from activity could be incontinence from an overactive bladder as well because we do see that postpartum where the bladder seems to contract a little bit too much and it would give symptoms of urgency they have to go to the bathroom and it becomes very urgent and they can't hold it so it's not necessarily an effort it's more uh, what we call an over overactive bladder. It just contracts too much. And then the pain with intercourse or even pain if there's a scar, sometimes it's not even with intercourse. It's just bending down, trying to pick up the baby and they feel the area pulling because scar tissue is usually more dense and less elasticity into it. So it has a tendency of of hanging on to the structures too much. And when you try to, let's say, spread your legs or you're bending down to pick up something in the dryer then all of a sudden, oh, it pulls and there's like a bit of a sharp pain that into the perineal area. If we go to women that that are not, let's say, postpartum, well, sometimes women don't have any problems after the baby is born and they just, you know, just go about their business and they continue and everything's okay until they get to menopause and the hormones change. And then we have the problem of incontinence or urgency, like urinary urgency. And they didn't have it before, but then it starts around menopause because of the hormonal changes. So we do see the women for that. The other thing we do see a lot is young women with pain with intercourse. So not having had any babies, they just have probably a little bit too much hypertonicity into the pelvic floor muscles. So that means their pelvic floor muscles are too tight and it causes pain with intercourse. And then, of course, you can imagine that if you have pain once, The next time you're protecting yourself, so you're increasing Mm -hmm. the tension in your muscles. And then the next time you do it again, and then it starts to hurt so much that you just don't want to have sex anymore. So this is like a snowball effect. But these women usually are younger women from, let's say, I'm just talking generally, you can have it later on too. But usually it's a uh, 18 to 29 or something like that. So that's called dyspareunia. It's pain with intercourse. You can have it at any time, but I would say it's more concentrated in that age group. And usually someone that was able to get pregnant, even though they had pain and have a vaginal delivery, they have less pain after because it kind of stretched the muscles a little bit. I had never heard of this type of physiotherapy and no one had really mentioned it to me. Mm -hmm. And so when I had my second and I went to the six week checkup, I told my midwife, my stomach, something's not right. Like I don't feel anything when I touch my stomach. I Mm. like my hip would hurt. I could not even carry my newborn baby. I had back pains like it was ridiculous. I had no balance. I'm like, can you check my stomach? Because I I had heard of diastasis, yes, recti, so separation of the abdomen. And I was like, I think it's that, but I don't know. It's my first time. So she said, basically, I think you need to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And she's like, I can't feel anything. So that's why 
I consulted and I was blown away. It was a whole new education <laughs> process mm -hmm. for me. I went for a year. It was tough. I mean, yes. very difficult. And the thing is, you hear they say, oh, do your kegels. Make sure you do your kegel exercise. And we're like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I tried it online with videos and it, I did, I was in pain. So actually having someone with me and she was like, you're not breathing at the right time. Your stomach is not moving at the right time. You know, these little movements that normally you don't even think about. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So you know what happens is 100% of women, there's an, an, a study that came out about two years ago that um, 100% of women have a diastasis recti at the end of the pregnancy. It is normal. That's why our stomach can stretch so much is because between the two, you know, when you get a six pack, there's an in-between, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a fascia. So it's called linea alba. When we're pregnant towards the end, it has to stretch. Otherwise, it would be your muscles that would stretch and that would not be good. So this linea alba is, is there to be able to allow the stomach to, to grow. And a all the women at the end of their pregnancy have that separation. But what happens is depending on the collagen of that structure, some women, it does not come back as fast as other women and they have to re-educate it. So it's, and you know, I, I think unfortunately, it's probably the thing that is the least evaluated after a, mm -hmm. a delivery. I think it, they should really have a little bit more evaluation either, well, maybe not exactly right after the, the delivery because it's still going to be uh, separated. But when there's a, a postpartum uh, evaluation, like at six weeks or eight weeks, and then like someone told you, it's because you were in a lot of pain. But what if you were in not too, too bad pain and then you keep going for years and then you're going to an exercise class. You go to Pilates, you go to this and you lift your legs up at the same time. Well, it's not it's not going to be good for you because you're going to start to have back pain because you can't stabilize your pelvis from the diastasis that you've kept over the years. And it doesn't have to be a very big diastasis, but as long as you like you what you did with your re-education re is to learn how to contract your pelvic floor and then do the breathing and then get the right abdominals to, to be able to have the support. It is not as important to close the diastasis as it is important to have a solid foundation in the middle. I don't know if you know what I mean, like a solid in-between. So you could get your two muscles really close by, but when someone put their finger in between by lifting, like lying on your back, lifting your head mm -hmm. up, like chin to chest exercise, just mm -hmm. lifting the head up. If if it's really soft in between, that's not even good. It would be better that it be more solid. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to re-educate the pelvic floor. And re-educating the pelvic floor does not mean doing Kegels, like just Kegels. You're right. You know, everybody says, okay, do your Kegels, do your Kegels. But sometimes we have to actually work on the opposite. We have to teach women how to relax their pelvic floor. It's just as important to relax as it is to contract. So a lot of our work is often, a lot of people call it either an eccentric contraction or they call it a drop because we need to be able to relax the muscles to be able to contract it well and for it to be efficient. Now, there is also an, a study that was done, and unfortunately, they showed that 45% of women do not know how to do a Kegel or an, a pelvic floor contraction properly if they're just given 
oral information, like if I explain it, or if they're given a paper, mm-hmm. they it, you kind of sometimes really need to feel what it's supposed to feel like with an exam. And then that way, you know what you're contracting, which muscles you're using, how to do it, from where, what is more efficient for you compared to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's not good to try to do them. Somebody, you know, everybody should be able to just try to do them. But if you're not sure, I think that's when maybe you're part of those 45% that just don't know, (laughs) do them. I don't know. So, but, but my point is that It's really important, yes, to do the contraction, but twice as important to do the relaxation in between. And that's what we don't do. I have a question for you. Yes. During your pregnancy, did you have pelvic girdle pain towards the end? Like meaning pain in your SI joints, in your hips, in your, your symphysis pubis. So that's called pelvic girdle pain. And it is really common. But Mm -hmm. that's also the reason why you continue to have that pain afterwards. So if I can suggest, there's an app, a free app that's called ROST Moves Mamas, R-O-S-T, Moves Mamas. It teaches you how to move in, especially in the end of the pregnancy. I mean, if it's quite painful, you really should consult. And especially a pelvic health physiotherapist that knows this ROST approach, because it is a very different way of looking at it, where a lot of people will um, get uh, women that have pain, pelvic girdle pain, like, for example, getting up from a chair and having a hard time to start walking, having mm-hmm. pain in the, in, the, in the hips, like walking for a long time is difficult. Sitting for a long time could be difficult. Turning in bed is like you feel your pelvis is, is breaking in, in pieces, right? Well, there's a laxity that towards the end of the pregnancy, there's a laxity that sets in to be able to open the bones for delivering. And depending, some people only get it in the last few months, and there's some people that get it sooner. Um, Once this pain is there, if you start to work on, for example, the adductors, the inside of your thighs, you're just increasing that pain. So you have to really get yourself into like open position all the time. Never cross your legs. Never do any exercises that will close the legs, like holding a ball in between your two knees and doing whatever exercise that would increase the pain. But a lot of people give that as an exercise to try to strengthen the pelvis when when this pain is present. So if I have one advice for these women and it's so debilitating, well, as you know, right, Mm -hmm. Um, it can continue after. Um, It's so debilitating because a lot of women can't even walk because they have so much pelvic girdle pain is to really look at that app because it really shows you nice pictures of how to move, not to move. And, and doing a lot of bridges, like getting your glute to contract. That's the key to decreasing that pelvic girdle pain in the last few months of pregnancy. Hmm. Uh, that, wow, that's interesting. Actually, it was only for the second pregnancy. And I, I went to see an osteopath during my last month because I felt stiff. So who should be going to see pelvic floor physiotherapist or a, a pelvic health physiotherapist when they're pregnant? Well, you know, it would not be bad. The reason is we never know if our pelvic floor 
muscles are tight or if they're not, if you're able to relax them properly. I usually tell women to come around the 32nd week so we have an idea because then if it's tight, we can see them again, give them exercises, give them stretching exercises that they can do with their partner and prepare for the birth because obviously you want the best relaxation into your pelvic floor muscles to be giving birth, right? Because mm-hmm. um, if there's tension, then it, it's just the same as if you have tension and you're trying to pass a stool, then it's much harder. You end up having to push too much. You end up maybe with pain. So it's the same thing with giving birth. You have to be able to relax your pelvic floor. So it's always a good idea to at least have one evaluation and know how your pelvic floor is. How do I do my exercises? Do I do them properly? If there is no issues during pregnancy, like no pelvic girdle pain, um, that's when I would come. If there's pelvic girdle pain, I would go as soon as possible and not let it get to a point that it's too much and the person is is having a hard time getting out of the car, getting out of bed, moving. Um, Not that it won't help. I'm just saying that the sooner that we change the, the way we move, the better it is. So would you say that this is something every woman should do at least once? Not just talking about pregnant women, because when I went, I learned that can be traumas if you've had like things like that or stress Mm -hmm. and can make it uncomfortable in your relationships. What do you think? Well, I think it's not a bad idea because, so as I said earlier, the pelvic floor is a trunk stabilizer. For women that end up doing a lot of activity, sport, they might want to be able to know, am I contracting my pelvic floor properly? Because it's supposed to be my first trunk stabilizer. So if I'm doing Pilates, am I doing it properly? Because my then my Pilates, is it helping or it's not helping, mm-hmm. depending on how I'm contracting my pelvic floor? So same with yoga, same with um, running, same with doing all all sports, anything that has to do with involving the trunk, which is quite a few activities. I think it, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Now, you know, does everybody have to have if it's if there's no issue, mind you, I think as a woman, we all know. We always have an issue somewhere at some point <laughs> in our lives, right? If it's not after pregnancy, it's at menopause. So, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, if, you, if there's no issue, it's, it's often a good idea to know, okay, I'm on the right track. I know how to do the exercises. I'm doing them properly. I'm not involving the stomach too much. I'm, I'm just getting the right muscle. It does, you know, when you come and see a pelvic health physiotherapist, if you don't feel comfortable, it doesn't have to be on the first first time. But to be able to evaluate the pelvic floor muscles, it has to be an internal vaginal exam. And then sometimes we do a rectal exam as well, because the muscles, like I said earlier, they go all the way to the coccyx and sacrum. So it has to be done with a vaginal palpation. And that's why you need to consult a physiotherapist that has had special training for doing this. It's not all physiotherapists that learn to do this. We need Mm -hmm. special training to be able to do this type of evaluation. Different than what the gynecologists will do. It's very interesting because the gynecologists do not test the muscle contraction. They test mostly, some do, but I'm talking generally. They'll evaluate the cervix, the uterus, the ovaries, but they don't know much. They haven't really been trained into exercise physiology and muscle physiology. 
psychology. So it's not their into their their practice to know how to teach the women how to do the proper contraction of the pelvic floor muscles. Find that this form of physiotherapy, it's not something that women are educated enough about. Why do you think it's still behind a lot of other therapies? And you're right about that. I think it's because it's still taboo. It's still taboo to talk about, you know, vaginal muscles and talk about that, oh, I don't want to tell people that I'm peeing in my pants or that I have pain <laughs> with intercourse or, you know, we all make a joke about it. Like, oh, stop, stop telling me this joke because I'm going to pee in my pants. Mm -hmm. Right? We do that. But then we say it as a joke. But if it's true, I'm not going to like people don't tell their friends about it. People don't mm -hmm. even share. It's very interesting because you have menopausal women that have a lot of pain with intercourse because of the hormonal changes or feel uncomfortable in the vulvar area because of dryness. And they say, I've never told anybody. But I said, look, you have at least at least 50% of your friends that are going through the exact same thing as you. And people don't talk about it. So I think the taboo aspect of things is still still stopping people from talking about it. But the other thing is, I've also had the comment from, and I don't know if you had that from people you told, that you went for physiotherapy for your pelvic floor. And then they said, oh, and what did they do? And, she, and you'd say, well, she did a vaginal exam because that's where the, the muscles are. And people say, oh, oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> so there is, and, and there's nothing sexual about it. It's very, mm -hmm. it's evaluating muscle. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, but sometimes some people are uncomfortable that it, they might be uncomfortable also because they have pain during their exam. So if they go to the doctor for their pap test and they have a lot of pain, it shows that there must be some dysfunction of the pelvic floor. And that might be somebody that should consult. Um, it's not comfortable to do a pap test, but it should not be painful. So mm -hmm. I think a lot is very personal and that we as pelvic health physiotherapists, that's a very different type of physiotherapy than than the regular physio because it's so intimate. I mean, we're sharing things with our patients that are very emotional for them. It's very difficult when you have been dealing with such a problem that it's either pain with intercourse after, let's say, after pregnancy that's causing so much stress into your relationship or stress incontinence that, or even, not even stress incontinence, you know, I had a patient that was three months postpartum and she had so much overactive bladder, she never felt she could hold her bladder. So all she did is she had a five-year-old and she had, that was starting kindergarten and she had a, a three-month-old baby, she would drive as fast as she could her child to kindergarten and come back home. She came to me and she said, you know what, finally, I think I need to do something about this because my sister is getting married in a few months. And I've said that I'm not going to go because I cannot go out. I don't do the groceries anymore. I don't go visit my family. I can't even go in the car for a little bit of time because I feel I have to pee all the time. So the stress this, this young mother was having was she was not able to share her, you know, the baby with even her family or, or have any social activity because she was too scared of, of losing her urine. So you can see how emotionally it can it can really affect people. So we have to include that into our treatment. So it's not the same approach as going for a knee re-education in physiotherapy, let's say. 
Mm-hmm. That's true. Even for myself, she would ask me these really intimate and personal questions. And I was like, uh, <laughs> hesitating on telling her. But for her, it was like, this is normal. I need to know this to analyze, you know, what's going on. But what I found was when she did the internal evaluation, for me, I have to say, I thought of it like an internal massage. And I had never thought of it needing an internal massage because when she did it the first time, it was very painful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is this normal? And she's like, no, it shouldn't be painful. And I was like, oh, really? I didn't know it was tense. Had I not had a baby, probably I would never even had thought twice about it. Right. Yeah. So she gave me all these tools I can use at home to relax it mm -hmm. and things like that, which I appreciate now because I'm learning more about my body. And I think it's so important for us to know ourselves, our bodies to feel better. That's right. And it's not because you can't see those muscles that they're not there, right? They are what we call striated muscles, which means that they're exactly like your bicep muscle, like your thigh muscle. They work the exact same way. So when you want to contract, you, you know, you bend your elbow, you're contracting your bicep. It's the same kind of muscle, a striated voluntary muscle. So when we contract the pelvic floor, we have an effect on the urine, on the bladder, on the vagina and on the rectum, on the anal canal. So it controls all of that. So it's important because you, you want to have control over your bladder and your stool, but you also want to be able to have intercourse and have sexual activity that is pleasant. So because if there's too much tension, it can cause some pain. If there is not enough tension or it, the muscle is too weak, then you may have a loss of sensation and have more difficulty with orgasm or even feeling pleasure. So it's a very important muscle, a group of muscles. So it's very important, but also they stabilize the trunk. So people that have back pain, people that have hip pain, it often comes from the pelvic floor, either being too tight or not tight enough or not, you know, not contracting well enough. So it, it is a very important group of muscles. For someone that might think, oh, I'll just wait it out or it can heal itself. Can walking daily help strengthen our pelvic floor muscles? Uh, unfortunately, no, walking does not. It does not, uh, unless you have prolapse. Prolapse is the organs that have a tendency of falling a little bit. So, for example, the bladder might be lower the uterus or the rectum have a tendency of falling into the vagina and people might feel a heaviness or feel a bulge. So walking might make those symptoms worse. In terms of urinary and if their pelvic floor is weaker, it's not going to strengthen it, but it's, it won't do any harm to do walking. That will be good. What would do harm would be like sit up or crunches, that kind of stuff, because that really pushes down. And if the pelvic floor is not adequate, then it's just going to increase the, the problem, the dysfunction. Uh, what kind of exercises? Mild yoga, for example, might help. 
Pilates might be a little bit too much for somebody that is having a hard time contracting their pelvic floor because it's kind of a little bit a step above. Um, you need to have a good pelvic floor to be able to do Pilates well. But in yoga, some of the poses would increase or you, you solicit your pelvic floor a little bit. I do not like the plank on the straight on the ground, but you can mm. do a plank against the counter, the kitchen counter. You know what I mean? Like on an angle. Yeah. So yeah. that gets your pelvic floor. So that would be a good example. You could do, I give an exercise postpartum all the time of as if you were holding ski poles at 90 degrees on your elbow. So you can do that against the handle of the stroller because it's mm -hmm. usually about the right height, standing tall and then just very gently pushing down with your fists as if you're like you're holding two ski poles, but you're not, you're on top of your stroller handle and you just very gently, and I say very gently because the pelvic floor does not need a huge contraction. It's, it's not how hard you can contract it, it's how well you can contract it. So those exercises might solicit your pelvic floor a little bit more. And so it would be better to do these exercises instead of just going right to those Kegel exercises. No, you can do those in with the Kegel exercises too. Like you can do them separate, but I would still recommend that you do those contractions of the pelvic floor, like holding. At the beginning, I will never tell people to pass five seconds because usually they're of holding the contraction because usually their pelvic floor is not as uh, endurant. And then they start to use their stomach and then they don't realize that they're using their stomach. And then they think that that becomes the right contraction to do. And then they all get mixed up and they continue to do more stomach than pelvic floor. So just doing pelvic floor contractions of pulling up and in, holding it for about five seconds and then relaxing down to make it drop down for 10 seconds and then repeating that. So that would be a good exercise as long as they're not pushing that they're not feeling that it bulges down, uh, that it's more of a pull upward, up towards your head. Okay. And they can lift their legs a little bit. If you just do pelvic floor exercises, you could be lying down with your, let's say, your knees bent, and you just contract as if you're pulling up the skin around the anus and you're lifting it up towards your head. As if you're picking up something with your anus and you're lifting it up towards your head. And then mm -hmm. you drop down. So that's okay. a good place to start because we usually always feel the contraction at the anus more than we do in the front. They both contract at the same time. All the muscles are together, but we often feel the back more than the front. So it's a good place to start. You can also do them in sitting. I don't recommend standing right away because it's harder to do them in standing. But sitting, just sitting regularly in a chair you just uh, do the same thing. You try to almost as if you're picking up something with the anus, you bring it up, you hold it up. You should still be able to talk at the same time. See, I'm doing one as I'm talking to you. <laughs> just to explain <laughs> it. Just, and, and I can still talk. If I'm going like this, then I'm definitely doing it too hard. Uh, Nobody okay. should notice around you that you're doing your pelvic floor contractions. Mm, that's a good tip. Yeah, all the time. Like if people say, Oh, what is she doing? What's, why is her <laughs> face like that? Then you're definitely doing it too hard. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to breathe. You should not be stopping anything because that's the type of contraction you should be able to do as you do something else. Mm. 
one of the most important things after postpartum, during the postpartum uh, period, is to re-educate your pelvic floor to squeeze automatically when you do an effort. So, for example, when you're picking up your baby in the car seat, you need to squeeze as you lift. When you sneeze, when you cough, when you are doing any type of lifting activity, when you shovel snow, when you uh, do some gardening, whatever, you have to get your contraction just before. In English, it's called the knack, and it's because you have to get the knack of doing it. You know what? My pelvic floor physiotherapist, she told me a sentence. I don't know if she got that from you, but it helped me so much. She said, blow before you go. So you let the air out and you contract and then I pick up my child or groceries or box or whatever. It was easy to remember. So what this helps is because you're not holding your breath. We hold our breath. It increases the pressure in the abdomen. So it pushes down on the pelvic floor more. When you're breathing out, so when you're blowing, you breathe out, your diaphragm goes up. So when the diaphragm goes up, we, we think almost the opposite, right? But when we breathe in, our diaphragm goes down. And when we breathe out, the diaphragm mm. goes up. So when the diaphragm is going up, it's making more space in the abdomen, so less pressure. If you are picking up something and you've just, you were just breathing in and you hold your breath, your diaphragm is down and then it's pushing down because you're holding your breath. So you have more pressure. So the blow before you go with the expiration so that you don't hold your breath and then it gets you to do your contraction at the same time. Well, you should think of doing your, your pelvic floor contraction at the same time so that you have your contraction, your the knack, the locking of your muscle before you pick up something. A hamper or, you know, how much clothes we uh, we have to wash, how many baskets we have to, to wash when we have kids. So anything that you're lifting, you should, like a pail of water, you should always make sure that you're, you're not holding your breath so you can do the blow as you go and then get your pelvic floor as you're lifting. That's great. We see a lot of product about help strengthen our pelvic floor. I mean, online at local pharmacy, even at massage stores. Which one do you think are good for some of us to have if we want to maybe practice specific things on our own? So Yes. So there's um, there's a few new things on the market. There is one that's called uh, LV, E-L-V-I-E. It's a little device that is, it's like an egg shape and you insert it in the vagina. It has a little bit, is a, has a little antenna. You do your pelvic floor contractions and you see it on an app on your phone. So when you, when you're doing the contraction, it will show that, let's say there's a little ball that goes up. And then when you relax, the little ball goes down. If you're not doing this little device, this one specifically, when you're not doing the contraction properly, it tells you, oops, you're not doing it properly. You should really be consulting because you're not doing your exercises properly. <laughs> so it, it's an interesting little device. I think it's about $200 that it costs. There's another one that's called PeriFit. It's a little bit the same principle, but the shape of the, the device is a little bit different. It might almost become uh, uncomfortable to use it in sitting. Same principle, though, that you have an app and you see the, the contractions on your app there. It's the same principle a little bit as what we do in the treatments in physiotherapy is we can use biofeedback. 
And when we use the biofeedback, we use an electrode that is placed in the vagina. People don't really feel it, and it doesn't give you any, any discomfort. And when you contract, we can see it on the computer screen. The only difference is that ours in our clinic, it picks up the electricity of the muscle, where those little devices are more with pressure. So sometimes, that's why I said the first device really tells you if you're not doing it properly, because... If you're pushing instead of contracting, because a few women do that, they think they're contracting, they're actually doing the opposite and they're pushing. That device says you're not doing it properly. Where the other one, I'm not sure if it, I don't think it does say that, but it's, it's a little bit of a feedback. Then you have some other things that are sold in the pharmacy is those those balls, those Kegel balls that they call them, or, mm-hmm. you know, some people call them Chinese balls. They're not really Chinese balls, but, um, or Lady System has vaginal weights, vaginal cones. You have all those things. But the problem with those is you have to have a good muscle contraction, very good muscle contraction before you start them, because you can de- you can make things worse. You can develop hypertone in your muscle if you're trying to hold it and it can increase your symptoms so you have to have I use those only towards the end of the treatment if the person it's like doing weight you don't start with a hundred pounds lifting a a bar if you can barely lift 20 pounds right Mm -hmm. so it's the same principle if you're having a hard time to do your contraction you don't go and put a vaginal weight because it's like lifting a hundred pounds for your vagina. It can't do that. <laughs> so that those are the devices that are available for retraining your pelvic floor muscles. I using those gel balls or silicone balls. I don't right. know what you call it. I would sit on it and just massage that around my anus, like that area to release the tension. Yes. So you see, that's different. This, the other ones I was talking about is for people that have a weaker pelvic floor, that have hypotone into their pelvic floor. What you had to do was to release the tension. Mm. So using, yes, exactly. Using some balls, having, even doing some, I'm sure you were, you were shown how to do some internal stretches of the muscle by doing some pressures on it. Um, So external pressures, internal pressures, those are all things that are are really good to do when there is tension into the pelvic floor. Yeah, I did those. Um, I think I'm saying it, la sonde, so vaginal the, electrode. The electrode. And what I wouldn't do probably, I'd get like these like uh, spasm. So that is essentially how I learned that I was not doing it properly at all. When, right. I thought, when I thought I was tightening it, I was not releasing at the right time. So I think this is so important because you might think you're doing it right, but you're not uh, right. for some of us. And you you know how painful a cramp can be in your in your calf or in your biceps, you know, if you get a cramp or even, you know, when you have a torticollis and your muscle is really tight. Well, some mm-hmm. women feel that like that tightness into their, their vagina or or in going into their bum. Uh, maybe that's where they feel it more like around the, the bone where we sit, the ischial tuberosity, the sits bone. And they feel like a tension or a pulling or they have pain in that area. So one side can pull, the other one can be more relaxed. You can find a little bit of everything. So that's why sometimes it's not that obvious to know if you're doing the contraction properly or not, if you don't have someone telling you. Exactly. Let's talk about the brain and body connection. I learned that 
the pelvic floor was a very emotional muscle that, as we're saying, it can get tense for different external factors. Can you talk more about this aspect? So you know how every muscle or every area in the body is innervated. It's a nerve. So the nerve comes from the spinal cord and it goes to, to the arm. And that's how we can move our, our fingers. So our spinal cord has different nerves coming out. So there's one nerve that goes to the pelvic floor muscles and it's called the pudendal nerve. And that nerve, like every of our, let's say your, your muscle, your nerve going to your bicep muscles or going to your forearm muscles, we have motor fibers and we have sensory fibers in those nerves. The pudendal nerve also has what's called autonomic fibers. And the autonomic system is the parasympathetics and sympathetic. So, you know, when you have something happening, you're stressed, you're under adrenaline, you're under cortisol. And your body has to function to get you out of that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So this is the sympathetic system. The parasympathetic system is more when you're doing deep breathing exercises and you're doing relaxation and you sleep is when we get the parasympathetic system working. So the pudendal nerve is one of the only nerves in the body that has an autonomic branch to it. So which means that going to the pelvic floor, you also have a lot of that autonomic system that will have an influence on a muscle, a striated muscle. So when we're stressed, it will have an effect on the pelvic floor. So a lot of people that have pelvic pain will have more pain when they're stressed. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a bad stress. It's just like, you know what? I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. I just can't, I can't cope. And they, their pain increases into that area. Of course, if there's been a trauma, like there's been sexual abuse or verbal abuse, sometimes that will go into, into the pelvic floor because it is an area that is also regulated by the autonomic system, being the sympathetic and parasympathetic system, and much more on the sympathetic. So all our emotions are regulated by the autonomic system. You know, our cortisol is the autonomic system. Our serotonin is the autonomic system. That's how we live. Our heart, our, all our organs, everything is, is working on the autonomic system. And the pelvic floor muscles is also something that will have that effect into that area. So that's why. And also it's like the autonomic system for all the sexual pleasure, for orgasm, for erect, erection for men and ejaculation. So it's all that area that has, yes, sensory fibers, like that we feel the hot, the cold, the pressure and all that. But on top of it, also the autonomic with the the cortisol, with the serotonin, with all of those. Yeah. For the pelvic floor, would you say that there's like different seasons in your life where it does get tighter and then looser? Or is it something that once you strengthen it, it stays strong? How does that work? Um, you know what I would say is that it's very hormonal dependent. So which mm. means that you probably will find that it won't be a season, but more a time of the month. A meaning ah. that so the, the pelvic floor works well when it has estrogen. If we go from the period to ovulation, pelvic floor is probably it's easier to do your contractions. It, you can feel them more. And then you get a week before your period, and oh, it's not as easy to feel when there's a pelvic floor contraction. Your muscle 
does not feel as strong, even though I have people that come during ovulation, I can feel their contraction. I c- they come before their period, I could still feel it. Their feeling is different. So it doesn't mean that the muscle goes weak, but the feeling is not the same. The quality of the contraction might be slightly different. So I would say it changes with hormones. It variates and, and it's not huge, but there's there's a certain variation. And of course, it, you know, depending on the time of your life as to pregnancy, menopause, you know, and again, those are all related to hormones, right? Um, pregnancy might be the delivery that, yes, you stretched out the muscle, but then it, it's also postpartum might be a little bit more difficult sometimes because the woman is breastfeeding. So there's less estrogen, there's more progesterone that, that continues. And I'm not saying that it's not good to breastfeed at, at all. I always tell them, okay, this is going to be a little bit more difficult while you're breastfeeding, but keep it up because then after it's, it's, you don't feel it as much, but your muscle is getting better. And in terms of other, I would say, yes, let's say you fall on the ice and you fall on your bum, you might find that your pelvic floor is a little bit more difficult to contract, even if you fell on your hip, because remember I said that the pelvic floor muscle goes from the front to the back, but it also goes on the side and attaches on the hip muscles. So someone that does something and falls and they bang their hip, that might be a little bit more difficult to contract their pelvic floor muscles after that. Like, let's say you're really stressed and then your pelvic floor becomes stressed and it wasn't before, like it becomes tight, then that might cause some problems a little bit. So Mm. to answer your question, I don't think it's a season thing. I think it's uh, events in your Mm. life and uh, hormones for women. Great. I know. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> I know. That's what I keep saying to my young women. I said, okay, get your pelvic floor strong so that when you're strong and efficient, I should say, so that when you get to menopause, the symptoms are, are very limited, you know, because you took care of it now. Would that be the most important thing you tell women about strengthening our pelvic floor? Just focus getting it stronger as soon as possible. I'll just say not necessarily strong because like I said, it's not, it's efficient. Like your contraction should be efficient. Yes, you need some strength in your muscle, but it has to be efficient. It has to contract when you're coughing. It has to, the pressure has to be good going down into your pelvic floor. Your abdominal wall has to be good. If you're coughing and your stomach comes out, then definitely your pelvic floor and your stomach are not efficient together. That would be something that would help because it would protect the back. It protects the pelvic floor, protects the organ. And, and you know, people think that a few drops is not a big deal. Yeah, it shows that there's something, unless you're doing like huge jumps on a trampoline, that might be different. But let's say coughing, sneezing, lifting something, you should not be having any urine leakage. And what we're talking about is usually a few drops or a little spurt. You should be able to hold uh, an urge to go. If you feel that you have urgency, you get to your door, you put the key in the door, and it becomes so urgent. The first thing you do is to run to the bathroom. That's already a sign that you should consult because you don't want to let that continue. If there's pain, you are feeling some pain, some um, that you're either sitting on a chair, you feel the pain or any other time you feel 
a certain burning into that area. A lot of people think that they have repetitive vaginal infections, and often that's not what it is. It's tension into the muscle. So that could be, so you can have either a muscle that's weaker, not contracting properly, will give you the overactive bladder, will give you the, the, uh, leakage when you're doing an effort or you could have the pain that could happen anytime could happen when you have uh, when you put a tampon in when you have intercourse or just pressing on the area and it feels really sensitive so those are all areas that then they should consult or uh, pelvic girdle pain you know there's pain that is still in the pubic bone that might be a diastasis uh, recti from your abdominals that are not re-educated properly. Uh, pain in the sacroiliac joints in the back and like just around the sacrum, that may be another area. So if you're looking at pain, if you're looking at um, leakage or very pressing urges to go, that's really telling you that there's something happening or not happening with your pelvic floor. Mm, that's great. So basically, every day, every single day, we are contracting, but we're maybe not conscious that we're doing it. That's right. Right. So your pelvic floor contracts when you talk. It contracts when it contracts more when you yell. It contracts more when you jump. But even just it has to contract when you are just lifting your arm up because that's a trunk stabilizer. It's Perfect. an important muscle or group of muscles. So I just have two questions before we end this first one where can listeners find more about you what you do what you teach share uh, everything well um yes i'm just starting a new clinic which uh in on the west island uh of montreal and this clinic is a pelvic health clinic so our website will have some information on it we also have we offer a free 20 minute call to people and it's a physiotherapist that answers the questions a pelvic health physiotherapist so and a breastfeeding physiotherapist as well uh, so if there's any questions about the breastfeeding or about the pelvic health then that can they can have a 20 minute consultation uh, for that to ask the questions and it's called called Centre de Santé Pelvienne, so it's pelvic health in French. I'm sure if you type my name, you'll find me associated with it. Also, I'm, I'm affiliated with uh, my colleague Claudia Brown, where we do the courses to physiotherapists, but for the general public, there might be some information on there, and that's physio eurosante.com that's where we have the courses and some information um, not as much in uh, for let's say the general public the other the clinic website will have more on that and we have a facebook uh, page for that clinic and do you still teach oh yeah so yeah professionals yes we teach professionals and uh, so that's with the physio eurosante clinic company uh, so that's to the to usually to physiotherapists or sometimes other professionals depending on what we have in our clinic we'll be doing a lot more teaching to the public though uh, more information sessions as to you know a little bit of what we discuss now doing it more in person and having people being able to to ask questions and uh, answer so i think education and education education is the most yeah. important thing so this yeah. is great to have a, a podcast like this because um i think so many people tell us how come i don't know about this how come mm -hmm. I don't know about this and yeah i think it's you know what it's like 
when you buy a red car, you never noticed how many red cars were on the on the road. It's when you need it, you start to go, oh, okay, I didn't know that existed. And that might be because you didn't need it before. Yeah, exactly. So I'll finish with one question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. We all know that being a mother, I mean, you have four kids, is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your parenting journey? Um, I would say for me, what keeps me is how much appreciation I get from every patient that comes, how much it's, it's about how much I'm changing their lives, how much they appreciate having the help. And that's what really keeps me going because that little difference makes a big difference. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com slash episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye guys. <laughs>